What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Welcome, listener. I'm glad you're here. Take a seat next to the fire. Listener, children are the innocent souls in this world, still growing, learning, and developing. They don't have the skills or life experience to make adult decisions. There's plenty of time for that when they officially enter adulthood. But when does a child stop being a child? Most often defined by age 16, 17, or 18 years old. There's an expected and accepted level of maturity and responsibility once those years have been experienced and gained. But when decisions and actions are taken before this age that are abhorrent, ruthless, and bloodthirsty, we are left as a society in a state of shock and disbelief. In the spring of 2016, the small town of Spalding in Lincolnshire, England, found itself in the spotlight of media attention for all the wrong reasons. Lives had been brutally snatched away in the dead of night, within the setting that we all should have the right to feel safe in, our home. Asleep and peaceful, two innocent lives did not know the danger around them. They had no way of knowing what was coming for them that night. The minds behind these vile crimes were hidden behind childish faces and unassuming ages. They showed twisted depravity embedded in their psyches were selfish desires and an undercurrent of misplaced resentment fueled two brutal cold-blooded murderers, and they were the last two people anyone would suspect. Between the 13th of April and the 15th of April this year, a tragic event happened in Spalding, Lincolnshire. This has been a rare and unprecedented case. Everyone who has listened to the details as they've emerged throughout the trial will, I am sure, have felt the same sense of shock and total disbelief at the evidence. I thought I stabbed her, but <clears throat> I thought I stabbed her, but I'm not sure if it was like her on the mattress. And then I swallowed her face with the pillow too. The relationship between a mother and daughter always seems to be either harmonious or turbulent bubbling with emotions that tip over regularly, making the relationship hot and cold. 
49-year-old Elizabeth Edwards was one mother trying to navigate this difficult route with her teenage daughter. Back in 2015, Liz, as she was known to her friends and family, had lived in Spalding for about 10 years with her daughters, Mary, Kim, and Katie. Spalding is a fairly small market town and about 43 miles from the city of Nottingham in central England. Coronation Canal flows through the town surrounded by house and industry. It's a hard-working place with communities who know how to support each other and a crime rate not notable in size. Liz's eldest daughter, Mary, had now grown up and moved out living with her only family in Derby. 70 miles away from Spalding, this left her half-sisters, 14-year-old Kim and 13-year-old Katie, living at home with Liz. In the modest two-bedroom house she had had at 5 Dawson Avenue, she had separated from the girl's father when they were young. Peter Edwards struggled with addiction, and there had been domestic violence within the family. Liz had left the relationship, going to a support shelter with her daughters, until she got on her feet as a single mom. Liz was a dedicated woman who wanted to provide for her children. She had built a life for them all as a family in Spalding. She worked as a dinner lady at the local school, where both Kim and Katie attended, and in a charity shop in town ensuring she could support her girls. Things hadn't always been smooth sailing in the Edwards family. When Kim was six years old, there had been an argument between mother and daughter, and Liz had slapped Kim. Horrified in her actions, Liz called social services asking for help and support. Kim and her younger sister Katie were taken into foster care for four months, while Children's Services supported Liz and ensured home life was safe for the children. In the years since, the family has settled and there's been no further insistence of violence inside the home between the three. Both Kim and Katie were beautiful, fun-loving kids who were popular within their group of friends. By May 2015, Kim had caught the eye of a boy in her school, Lucas Markham. Also 14 years old, Lucas was a kid with a complicated background. His early years were spent in a violent home before he and his brothers had lost their mom to leukemia when Lucas was just four years old. His caregiver and protector was no longer there to look after him. After a series of foster homes, Lucas and his siblings went to live with his aunt in Spalding. Growing older, he was frequently in trouble for aggression and fighting. He had a friendly side to him, too. A side where he could engage, focus, and be fun to be around. He was an intelligent boy. He just didn't seem to want to apply that intelligence in the right way. As the summer wore on, Lucas and Kim began dating. They were two teens in their first relationship, and it was all-encompassing. It soon became sexual, and they were besotted with each other. They spent all their time together bonding over complicated families and past histories. This was a pairing of two young minds so obsessive and intense that in less than 12 months, they would destroy and devastate multiple lives, including their own. As time passed, Kim was feeling increasingly like an outsider within her family unit. The family of three was fragmented in her eyes. She believed that her mother loved her younger sister more than her. 
She felt pushed out as her preferred younger sister was showered with attention and considered to be the good girl of the family. This resentment only grew in intensity, fueling arguments and laying the groundwork for a much deeper emotion of hate to emerge. Liz got counseling for Kim to try to work through her anxieties, but it didn't seem to help. Kim's attachment and idolization of Lucas were also the cause of friction between mother and daughter. Liz didn't approve of Lucas. She saw an angry teenage boy in trouble at school with little sense of boundaries. She saw bad influence on her daughter. She spotted something in Lucas that made her feel uneasy and uncomfortable. She didn't want her daughter spending all her time with him, trying to persuade her headstrong teen not to see the boy she was madly in love with was proving to be a fruitless task. By February 2016, Liz was worried enough to speak with the school about her concerns, but there was little the school could do to keep Kim and Lucas apart. Lucas was fully aware of Liz's feelings about him and Kim had talked about the resentment she had for her mother. This led Lucas to have similar feelings towards Liz. Most of all, he had his own teenage feelings of anger because Liz was trying to keep Kim away from him. He was vocal about how he felt at school, but friends were used to Lucas having angry outbursts. None could have any idea what he was capable of. As Kim's internal battles grew, they were entwined with teenage angst and an array of emotions. In March of that year, she tried to take her own life by taking an overdose of painkillers. She was found and taken to the hospital in time for her life to be saved. Once released, local children's mental health teams tried to support the teenager. Kim, however, moved closer and closer towards Lucas. In April 2016, after yet another schoolyard fight, Lucas was expelled from school. Now no longer able to see each other during school hours each day, the young couple would meet after school at the local McDonald's. On April 9th, angry at the world, the pair locked themselves into Lucas's bedroom at his aunt's house and refused to come out. After 24 hours, realizing they needed Kim's contraceptive pill, they climbed out the window and made their way to the end of the street to Kim's house. Spotted, they were separated, and Lucas was sent back to his home alone. When Kim went upstairs to her room, she found Liz had boxed up her belongings and moved them out of the bedroom. Some she had given to Katie, her 13-year-old sister. Kim was enraged and felt rejected at the same time. Her lingering resentment tipped over the threshold, where there would be no going back. On Wednesday, April 13th, Lucas Markham left his aunt's house just before 11.30 p.m. He took a long route that took him alongside Coronation Canal and around the back of the housing estate to reach his girlfriend's home. At midnight, he climbed some scaffolding outside Kim's house, allowing him to reach the upstairs bathroom window. He knocked three times to alert Kim, just as he had done for the previous two nights. On those nights, Kim didn't appear at the window claiming later she had fallen asleep. On this night, though, Kim was there to open the window and let him in. The window sill on the inside clear of all items to aid his entry. Inside the bathroom, with Liz and Katie sleeping in rooms next door, Lucas opened the backpack he brought with him. 
He pulled out a clean set of clothes and four large kitchen knives. Kim handled one, examining it closely before handing it back to Lucas. After a brief whispered conversation, Lucas made to leave the bedroom. Kim told him to stop and take off his shoes. She didn't want him to get blood on them. Lucas had been inside the house numerous times. He knew the layout. He knew which door was Liz's bedroom and which was the bedroom Kim shared with her sister Katie. He crept silently towards Liz's bedroom door, pushed it open, and went inside. At first, Kim stayed inside the bathroom not wishing to watch what happened next. As time passed, she began to wonder what was happening inside that room. She could hear noises that she couldn't identify. Slowly, she made her way to the door and stepped inside. A hand reached out to Kim. She grabbed it thinking it was Lucas. She realized within seconds that hand was her mother, desperately reaching for help. She dropped her hand and ran back to the bathroom before beginning to hyperventilate. Once Liz was still and quiet, Lucas returned to the bathroom where Kim was waiting. Now calm and back in control, it was time to execute the next part of the plan. Katie was asleep in the bedroom they shared. Kim was supposed to kill her. That was the plan. Now when it came to it, Kim couldn't go through with her part. They agreed Lucas would go and kill Katie instead. Lucas entered Katie's room and didn't come out again for several minutes. When he did, his clothes were spattered with more blood. The knife he had just used to murder a 13-year-old in her bed, he had left inside Katie's bedroom. Back in the bedroom, they stripped off their clothes and climbed into the bath together. They washed off the blood and made sure that they were both clean. For the next 36 hours, Kim and Lucas stayed inside Kim's family home. They pulled a mattress downstairs and into the living room. They had ice cream and tea cakes, cuddled up together. They had sex and watched Twilight. In their original plan, what came at this point was a joint suicide. They had a supply of over-the-counter painkillers and alcohol waiting for them to use. They didn't go through with it. By Friday, April 15th, Lucas's aunt had reported him missing to the police. The school reported the same day they were concerned about the welfare of the Edwards family, who hadn't been heard from since Wednesday that week. When police arrived at Dawson Avenue, they received no answer to their knocks on the front door. They could hear the family dog barking inside. Smashing a small window at the front of the house, they gained entry. In the living room, they found Kim and Lucas under a duvet together on the mattress. When asked where her mother was, Kim casually replied, upstairs. When Lucas asked if Liz and Katie were okay, he told them bluntly, Go upstairs and see. What officers found upstairs was the last thing they were expecting. Kim and Lucas were arrested on the scene. Their pleas to be allowed to stay together were denied. Forensic teams arrived to process what was now a crime scene. Liz and Katie Edwards had been brutally murdered by two teenagers who had been living with their bodies for two days. Two 14-year-olds who, after gruesome double murder, were flippant, casual, and seemingly entirely carefree. Liz's long-term partner, Graham Green, called her daughter Mary that morning concerned he couldn't get a hold of Liz. 
When he went to the house to check on her, he found police forensic vans and police tape surrounding the home. A policeman told him two bodies had been found inside. Later that day, Mary would go and identify the bodies of her mother and half-sister, still in a state of disbelief. Shocked police officers interviewed Kim once they arrived at the police station. Kim's frank confession and response left them almost speechless. The interview with Lucas yielded similar blunt statements and admissions. said there in one line, during conversations recently, we mutually suggested killing her. That's quite a, a statement to make in one line. So tell me more about the conversations that you and Kim have had. Basically, me, you, and Kim, like, she knows I hate, he hate her bum, and um, I said, I wish I could kill her. And she said, yeah. And she thought I was joking, but I was being serious. Then she realized I was being serious, so she started being serious. And what happens this time? Uh, she looks out the window, sees me there, yeah. she waves, I put my thumbs up, and then she goes to the bathroom window. Okay, and what happens then? She opens the bathroom window, I pass my bag through, I get through, and then she opens my bag, and I, uh, I take a knife out, and I pass her a knife. Just, I don't even know why I did that, just to make sure. And she holded the knife, I never used the knife. The knife is still in the bathroom with the other knives. And um, then I went into her mum's room, stabbed her in the neck while she was asleep on her side, and smothered her face with a pillow. And um, after I knew she had gone, I went into Katie's room, which is the same room as Kim's, and um, I thought I stabbed her, but <clears throat> I thought I stabbed her, but I'm not 100% sure if it was like her on the mattress. And then I swallowed her face with the pillow too. That was pretty much it. Then she said, um, sort of like, take your clothes off because they're covered in blood. And I did. Then we put them in Liz's room. And then we ran a bath and had a bath together just because we were both dirty. It's always the plan to kill Elizabeth and Katie? Yeah. Well, it was the plan since Wednesday. Since Wednesday? Yeah, plan for me to kill both of them. Right, okay. But the plan was between the two of you. Yeah. That Elizabeth and Katie. Yeah. Um, will be killed. Yeah. And then on Wednesday, the plan yeah. was that you would do both. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> You've said that you, when in your in this statement, you say that um, Kim had become increasingly hating of her mother. Yeah. And <clears throat> and that you mutually agreed to kill her. Why? What was the reason for killing Katie? Because she'd call the police. Okay. That the only reason? Pretty much. Um, she was laying on her side, um, and I don't know really how he stabbed her, but he stabbed her through the neck, I think, like through that way. She was on the side. Okay. Um, I went into the room to see what was going on because I heard like noises and stuff. So I just wanted to check if he was okay. Um, he was on top of her, um, uh, like with a like 
pillow over her head. Um, like, um, just, like, even though her, like, her voice box and that was, like, uh, she, like, uh, I thought I heard her say, get off me, but um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, uh, and after about 10 minutes of Lucas putting his weight on her, um, like, she, she was, she was dead, like. What exactly happened to cause you to want to, to plan this? Um, well, I don't know really well, it's just kind of detective came and knocked on the door and I said is it Renee and he just gave me that solemn look it was the worst day ever the proof podcast is back with a new case and a new season 23 years ago 18 year old Renee Ramos went missing her body was later found in an empty Home Depot building on the edge of town I don't think that they arrested the right people it's about time somebody's trying to do something she had a black eye about two weeks before she was murdered. They are involved. They definitely had her body and her backpack. You know people are going to judge you, right? Of course. They're judging me now. They've been judging me damn near my whole life. You can listen now to season two of Proof, wherever you get your podcasts. And follow along with us as we reinvestigate the murder at the warehouse. I have to ask, did you kill Renee? What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. It's quite a drastic thing to, to happen. You clearly, from what you're saying, had your reasons. I mean, what were those reasons? Um, just the... Um, well, ever since, like, I was young, like, I've never gone for my mum. Um, uh, I knew that she favoured my sister more than me. Um, and even though she said that she didn't, I knew that she was lying. How did you feel? Uh, I was okay with it. Um, just uh, the fact that it happened so quickly it, like, gave me peace of mind because like, you know, it wasn't like torture or anything. Mm-hmm. So, how do you feel about it on reflection now? Um, the same way. What, relieved that it's done? Mm, yeah. Feel happy about it? Um, I 
Um, to a point, yes. Why's that? Um, yes, because my mum doesn't have to do me anymore. Um, being, like, you know, suicidal and she doesn't have to wake up worrying every morning to see if I'm still alive. Um, and my sister doesn't have to go through the heartbreak and, and like, and all the emotions and stuff. Um, where did you think up to kill your family, to do it via a knife, to stab them in the throat, to have a bath afterwards, to commit suicide afterwards? Where's all this come from? Where, where's all this? Have you seen something like it? Have you read something like it? No, really. It just um, went with and committing suicide after it's just most people who do commit murders try to commit suicide themselves. Which is most I'm not sorry, I see it's what they have, yeah. But so that's your idea behind it. Right. Um, so there was nothing that you'd seen, you'd read, or anything that gave you this sort of notion. Nobody had discussed it with you. Mm-hmm. All your own doing. Just you and Lucas. I'm sure you realise at this stage just how serious this is, don't you? You're a very young girl. But this is very, very serious to you and Lucas. So if there's anything you need to tell us, you might as well get it off your chest now. Appreciate the fact that you you know you told us what you told us. I don't know if you've got anything lurking that you've observed. You might want to get clear. Rarely, if ever, have even seasoned police detectives been faced with such callous and cold-blooded statements from murder suspects. Never had they heard them from 14-year-old children. Four days after Liz and Katie's bodies were found, Kim and Lucas were taken to Lincoln Crown Court for their assignment hearing. On two charges each for murder, both teens pled not guilty. What were the events which led to the deaths of this mother and daughter? Two children are accused of murdering 49-year-old Liz Edwards and 13-year-old Katie Edwards. People here have been left shocked that two teenagers have been charged with murder after what happened here. The two 14-year-olds appeared here at Lincoln Crown Court this afternoon. The boy and girl were flanked by security guards and spoke only to confirm their names. They were remanded into secure youth accommodation and a provisional trial date was set for October. The two teenagers were transported in separate cars with blacked-out windows. Because of their age, they cannot be publicly identified. Outside the scene of the killings, people have continued to leave messages and tributes to a popular mother and daughter. While family members knew Kim and Lucas had been arrested and charged with these murders, 
the wider public didn't. They didn't know of the betrayal and horrendous familial murder factors that this case possessed. They just knew it was down to two 14-year-olds. The defense teams for both Kim and Lucas now had the role of trying to reduce the number of charges in the eyes of the jury, proving a case of manslaughter with diminished responsibility would result in a much better outcome for each of the teens than a murder conviction. But diminished responsibility meant convincing a jury they were not guilty of murder. It is a partial psychiatric defense claiming that a mental defect or illness was a significant factor in the crime, meaning they could not rationally make the decision involved for forthright intentional murder. It is a reduced charge that would result in a reduced sentence. For Lucas Markham, it was clear there was no evidence to support such a plea. On October 10, 2016, the first day of the murder trial, Lucas changed his plea to guilty for both charges of murder. He would no longer face trial. Kim, however, maintained her plea of innocence. For six days, the jury of seven men and five women listened to the harrowing details of this case at Nottingham Crown Court. Prosecutor Pete Joyce QC laid out the facts of the case. Postmortems revealed Liz had been stabbed eight separate times, twice in the throat, an act both Kim and Lucas admitted in a police interview they had planned. They wanted to make sure they severed her voice box early in the attack so that she couldn't scream for help. One of the wounds from the 20-centimeter long knife Lucas used almost severed her windpipe. Kim's younger sister Katie had slept through the attack on her mother unable to be alerted to the threat that was now coming straight for her. She had suffered two stab wounds in the neck. Both Liz and Katie had been smothered with a pillow from their beds after they had been stabbed. Both had tried to fight Lucas off, but were unable to defend themselves against the weapon he brandished. The prosecutor told the court of further statements Kim had made during the psychiatrist's assessment and to the police after the killings. She spoke of wanting to achieve revenge against her mother. She said Liz deserved to be killed and that she was glad she was dead. Her sister she was less excited about killing, she had explained. It was her mother's murder she was looking forward to. What these statements revealed about Kim Edwards highlighted a 14-year-old girl fully in control of the situation and interactions with absolutely no remorse. Her defense psychiatrist testified that Kim had adjustment and attachment disorders at the time of the murders. Her rocky relationship with her mother and failure to bond fully with her provided a platform for attachment disorder. The stressful event triggers that happened in the months before the murders took place, her suicide attempt, and Lucas being expelled from school separating the pair, would give rise to adjustment disorder. It is a condition characterized by unhealthy reactions to stressful events in life that affect children more dramatically and more often than adults. Symptoms can include depression, behavioral disturbances, and anxiety. This was not an assessment the opposing psychiatrist agreed with. Dr. Philip Joseph firmly believed the catalyst for these brutal murders was a deeply unhealthy relationship between these two teens. When he assessed Kim in the weeks after the murders, her demeanor was happy and relaxed to the point he described her as cheerful. She didn't have remorse for the killings, 
and she didn't have regret about what they had done. In Joseph's opinion, Kim was not suffering from a mental illness or defect. She knew right from wrong, and she knew the murder of her mother and her sister was wrong, both morally and legally. Her ability to understand her actions and make rational decisions was fully intact. It would be a conclusion the jury would go on to unanimously support. On October 18th, a now 15-year-old Kim Edwards was found guilty of two counts of murder. She cried in court when the verdict was read out. Kim and Lucas now held the sickening title of the youngest double murderers in Britain. A month later, on November 10th, both Kim and Lucas stood in the same courtroom to be sentenced. Their previous coy glances and smiles to each other in earlier hearings were now replaced with pained expressions and a cold avoidance of meeting each other's eyes. Kim and Lucas were no longer a couple. The bond had been shattered. Justice Hayden Cave made his feelings about this case and the two teenagers standing before him very clear. People who know the full facts of this case may struggle to comprehend how you both could have committed this terrible and unnatural crime, which has devastated two families in a community. The answer lies partly, in my view, in what Dr. Joseph described as your toxic relationship. You were, in my view, in a hermetically sealed, pathetic world of your own, of deep, deep selfishness and immaturity, where only your feelings and desires mattered and nobody else's. He sentenced Kim Edwards and Lucas Markham to 20 years in prison. Nine months later, in July 2017, lawyers for the teens successfully appealed their sentence, obtaining a reduction in term for both to 17 and a half years. The Court of Appeal also decided it was in public interest for Kim and Lucas to be named. For the first time, the true identities of those who had so brutally ended the lives of Liz and Katie Edwards were revealed. For many, the discovery that these teen killers were Liz's daughter and Katie's sister, along with her boyfriend, came as incomprehensible. This is, without doubt, one of the most distressing and disturbing cases that I and my team have ever encountered. The Crown Prosecution Service was certain from the outset that the appropriate charge for both defendants was one of murder. We were not prepared to accept any lesser plea based on any mental difficulty, mental health difficulties. As a result, the case rightly went to trial. The male defendant pleaded guilty to two counts of murder on the first day of trial. The second defendant, the female defendant, maintained her not guilty plea. But the jury, having heard all the medical evidence, was satisfied that she was capable of forming an intent to kill. She was therefore also convicted of the murder of both victims. Our, our deepest sympathies are now with the extended family and friends of Elizabeth and Katie as they try to come to terms with this horrific crime and the loss of their loved ones. This tragedy was distressing for all families involved. For Katie's school friends, for Elizabeth's colleagues, friends and children at the school where she worked, as well as having a shocking impact on the wider community of Spalding. This case left a number of lives in ruins, not only Elizabeth and Katie's families, but also the two juveniles who committed these horrendous crimes. 
the planet that went into this brutal, this brutal murders of Elizabeth and Katie as they slept in their own beds was cold, ruthless and chilling. As was the lack of remorse shown by the two juveniles afterwards. This matter of factness is all the more shocking given the fact that they were both only 14 years of age at the time they committed these offences. This has been a difficult and unprecedented case for all those involved. I would like to thank the prosecution team, the partner agencies and the local people of Spalding for their assistance and support shown to my investigation team and all those affected. The families have asked me to also pass on their thanks for the support of the community and ask them ask that they are given space and time to reflect in their own way at today's outcome. I hope after today's sentence everyone affected by this terrible crime can begin to rebuild their lives and the community Spalding can move forward. There was a darkness to Lucas Markham, something hard to pin down as he was so young but unmistakably there. He may have been the hand that brought the knife down on Elizabeth and Katie, but Kim Edwards was who the prosecution pointed to as the mastermind. The notion that Lucas was the driving force and Kim a mere follower was not part of this case. These were two teenagers, equally culpable for these horrific acts. To create a detailed murder guide for taking a human life is one thing. To carry it out and then stay inside the crime scene for two days afterward would be for many a breaking point. For two young teenagers especially, a point of overwhelming horror at the gravity of what they had done. But this is not what happened for those two teens. This is not where their emotions led them. Kim and Lucas are no longer juveniles. They will be eligible for parole in 2033, when they are both in their early 30s. They will be able to start their lives again, find careers, meet partners, have their own families. Justice is questionable when the ultimate outcome is living a free life, young enough to start again and achieve whatever they wish. Elizabeth and Katie Edwards will forever be remembered for the fun-loving and personable individuals that they were. They touched people's lives and how they lived their own. Their future so tragically ended in acts of callous violence, dominated by the identity and terrifying young ages of the two twisted minds responsible for their murders. Thank you for listening, and keep the fire burning. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.